0: Now, Revelation 22, I'd like to read the last five verses of this chapter, and we'd like to look at verse 17, and then the next time we are here, we'd like to look at verses 18 and 19 together, there's certainly a lot said in those two verses about you better not mess with God's word. Now, I don't understand all of the, the, uh, the uh, consequences as is explained there, but I know none of them are good if you mess with God's Word. That's just clear and plain. Don't mess with it because the consequences are not good. All right, but let's look at this, verse 17. The Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is athirst come. And whosoever will let him take of the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. Now I'm, I, uh, I'm just convinced that this message, these two verses, not only apply to the book of Revelation, but they apply to the whole Bible. Don't mess with God's word. It's enough to say I don't understand it. But it is sin to say I don't believe it. That is sin. So God's people will never go there. If any man shall take away, oh, excuse me. If any man, verse 18, shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Verse 20. He which testify these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. All right, now let's look at verse 17 here for a few minutes tonight. There are several times in this verse of Scripture that the word come is used. And it makes good sense when we look at the first part of these, that they are related to what the Lord Jesus Christ had to say in this very same chapter, I come quickly. It appears as we look at this verse of Scripture that the Spirit and the bride... Now, never does the bride answer by itself. We have the privilege of having the Holy Spirit answer for us. The Holy Spirit is the one that walks beside the church and leads the church and directs the church and teaches the church all things. Now, it doesn't mean that he teaches everything to the church that it, God knows, but it, t- says, it teaches us that he teaches everything that we'll ever know about God. That's what it's teaching us. Everything that we'll ever know about God, the Holy Spirit is going to teach us. And we'll not know anything about God if he doesn't teach us. Now, the Spirit and the Bride request the Lord to return. That's what we find here. The Spirit and the Bride. Now, in chapter 22 and verse 7, it says here, Behold, I come quickly, the Lord Jesus says those words, and from eternity it is quickly. Whether it takes 2,000 or 4,000 years or 5,000 years That is still quickly compared to eternity. God said, a day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. I'm not controlled by time. Uh, Years mean nothing to me. Days mean nothing, nothing to me. I created time for human beings. So they'll have day and night. That's what he created time for. That's what he created day and night for. But he is not controlled by that The Lord God Almighty does not rest, he does not sleep, he does not slumber, he is not ever off duty. He is always watching over his children, and we find he is preparing to come back. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the saying of the prophecy of this book, verse 7, and in verse 12 of that same chapter, it says, and behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, To give every man according to his work shall be. I come quickly. This is what the Lord has said. He is not detained by anything except I have some sheep yet to save. The long suffering of the Lord means salvation. He is not waiting for a building to be built. He is not waiting for a temple to be built. He's not waiting for sacrifices to be made. He's not waiting for Israel to do anything. He's not waiting for the United States to do anything. Time will bring the last one in, and it will be at the appointed time, just like it was for every one of you. It was at an appointed time. In the fullness of time, God saved his people. Fullness of time, Christ came, and we also find when it pleased God, that he saves his people at the appointed time. He acquaints them with the gospel, and he will come quickly. Now, he came quickly when he came after us the first time. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. That is typified when Jesus walked up to Lazarus's tomb and said, Lazarus, come forth. He raises his people from the spiritual dead, and he does that in a quick fashion. But he also will be coming back at the appointed time when the last sheep is saved, when it's brought in, He will come back, and he has promised that. And in fact, he said, I come quickly. And now in verse 17, the Spirit counsels the church because the church gets no other counseling. The Holy Spirit is the counsel for the church. The Holy Spirit is the director for the church. We would not want to do anything apart from the Holy Spirit. And woe be to us when we do. The Holy Spirit is essential for the life of the body. The Holy Spirit is essential for the life of the body of all believers and it's essential for the life of a local body. It is, the Holy Spirit is what teaches us and leads us and directs us and points us and causes us to continually be pressed towards the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Thank God Almighty, He puts His hand on our back and He puts His hands around our cheeks and keeps us going in the right direction. The st- The the mountain may get steep, but we still have help going up that mountain. We are carried up that mountain. In in Romans, would you turn with me to the book of Romans? As we think about the Spirit and the bride, uh, they request the Lord to return. The Spirit counsels the church to pray, come quickly. The church has always prayed that. The church has never written a song that says, wait a little longer, sweet Jesus. That's a song. I've heard Buck Owen sing it. Wait a little. No, the church has always said, come quickly. We are in a quagmire. We are in a world that is entranced and enthralled with sin. And please come quickly. Don't hasten, uh, don't uh, detain, but hasten, come quickly. That's the prayer of the church. But the prayer of the church is also the long-suffering of God save me. The long-suffering of God meant salvation to me. So the long-suffering of the Lord means salvation. All right, over here in the book of of, uh, Romans, chapter 8. What a wonderful passage of Scripture is found here in the book of Romans, chapter 8. Well, chapter 9, chapter 10, chapter 11. (laughs) Great reading and also great study. Romans, chapter 8, and verse 16. We read these words, "...the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit." Now that's true about every individual believer but it also is true about the church the spirit itself bears witness with the spirit of the church it is the counsel for the church it is we don't get anything from our own noodle <laughs> we are without intelligence until it's given to us spiritual intelligence now, there have been wise men in the wisdom of the world. But when it comes to spiritual things, the only teacher is the Holy Spirit. Here it tells us in Romans chapter 8 and verse 16, says the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. It is the Spirit that informs of, the, of that. Boy, I left to ourselves, oh man, I wonder if I even know Jesus. I wonder if I know the Lord. Look at what I just did. Look at the mess I just made. I... Uh, the Spirit beareth witness in the in the counsel of God. This is my child, and it's not because we can remember a day. It is because we have a love for the Lord Jesus Christ today. That's been really impressed on me. Um, visiting with Brother Marvin, and I just enjoyed that so much. But he stressed, and I just had to uh, agree. It's not how we thought of him yesterday. It is not what we thought of God yesterday, but what do we think of God today? And Lord, help us to think kindly of you tomorrow. Grace has been gracious today. I love my Lord, but please, oh God Almighty, help me to love you tomorrow. That's the thing, tomorrow. And then when we face our last day, Lord, give me grace to love you then. It's only by your grace. All right. Now turn with me, if you would, over to the book of John 14. As we think about the Spirit and the bride say, come. The Spirit is counseling the bride to cry, come, Lord Jesus. This prayer, this ardent prayer to which the bride is moved by the Holy Spirit to pray. Be coming now. Be coming now. You know we visited among ourselves and found out, you know, there's things are pretty rotten. <laughs> and God's people, I, I just hear them say, oh, Lord, if you could just get this over with. Get it over with. We're, we're, we're beginning to see in our own lives and in the lives of others the depravity. What really happened in the fall? What really happened? The farther we go, the more we learn about what really happened in the fall and how it has affected the hearts and lives and minds of people and is characterized by their absolute non-dependence upon the Lord. And we deal with it all the time. And God's people, the church, has been crying by the, by the help of the Holy Spirit from the very beginning, Lord, come! Now, at the, at the greatest... I'm not going to live to be 100, but just say I was. i got 40 years, and he's coming. That's it. Time is drawing short. This is, I'm just one day closer to the Lord coming. One day closer. Today was one day closer to his coming. All right. Now oh, I want to read here in John 14, verse 26. The Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus said this about the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God counsels us. The Spirit of God counsels directs us the spirit of god leads us the spirit of god gives us understanding the spirit of god opens up the word of god it is the spirit of god that reveals the son of god to our heart and here in john 14 and verse 26 the lord jesus said just uh, not long before his crucifixion and not long before his ascension he says here in verse 26 john 14 26 but the comforter which is the holy spirit the holy ghost Got a comforter, you got the Holy Ghost. That's who it is. The comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I've said unto you. And not only did he do that for the disciples in their desperate time of need, but he does it today. The Holy Spirit counsels the church, the Holy Spirit teaches the church. It is the spirit of God that reveals the Word of God, what it means, who it's pointing to, what it's about. and it is through that we understand that the prophets were singing the sweet music of Christ in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit reveals that unto us. and then going back to if you would, to the book of of Romans one more time, chapter eight, verse twenty six we read these words about the Holy Spirit. So it is nothing for the Holy Spirit to counsel the church to say, come, be coming, Lord Jesus, come. We're, and especially if we would read about the persecution that was going on at the time of the writing of this book, it's no wonder that the Lord comforted those people by saying, the Holy Spirit will comfort you in crying out, be coming, Lord Jesus, come. Come. And down through the centuries, come, Lord Jesus. Chapter 8 and verse 26, we find something very vital uh, for the church, very vital for every individual person that's in the church. If you want to pray, here's the key to it. Don't leave out the Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse uh, 26, the word of the Lord says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Now, we have a lot of those. We got them by the fall. We're in the same condition in many respects as lost people are. We have re- infirmities because of the fall. We can't see Christ like we would like to, but the Holy Spirit reveals him to us. And here, we can't pray like we'd like to, or we should, but the Holy Spirit, it says here, verse 26, likewise the Spirit also help with our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, that doesn't mean the people are making groanings which cannot be uttered. That means the Holy Spirit is speaking to God. That's what it means. God the Spirit is speaking to God on our behalf. He has knowledge of what we have need of before we ask. The Holy Spirit, it is the bride, Spirit counseling the bride that says, Come! Lord Jesus, it is the Holy Spirit that leads the church to know that God has purposed to work all things after the counsel of his own will. Why is he not back? He's working all things after the counsel of his own will. And the church is settled on that. We'll not be moved from that. We're comforted by that. God has said, I am working all things after the counsel of my own will. But Lord, look at what we're dealing with. Pray, come Lord Jesus. But I'm working all things after the counsel of my own will. And I am purposed it. And it's being carried out exactly like I purposed it. Not only the church as a body, but every believer prays, come Lord Jesus. The church in collective aspect, praying, come, Lord Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit counseling the church. But we, as we rest, as we are alone in our own closet, we are counseled, Lord, come. That event in the Garden of Eden so many years ago is terrible. Come, Lord Jesus. It's affected the world in such a way that it cannot repair itself. Come, Lord Jesus. Mankind is sinful by nature, sinful by practice, and sinful by choice. Come, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, what unworthy worms we are. Come, Lord Jesus. So that's the prayer that the Holy Spirit gives us. And the rest of the verse, as we see it, is the message of the church. Let's go back there to the book of Revelation, chapter 22 and verse 17. We have here, the spirit and the bride say, come, and let him that heareth say, come. Everyone that's heard the message, come, Lord Jesus. That just seems to be a theme left the believer. Sometimes we even say, wouldn't it have been nice if the Lord had had just taken us out of this world when he saved us? Just saved a lot of agony pain, death. If he'd just, But he didn't, and he had a purpose in it. He needs somebody who knows something to share that something with other people. I'll never, I hope I never forget, uh, you're around people that do some forgetting more than they used to, and you say, Lord... <laughs> keep my remember intact for a while longer. But I'm a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. Brother Scott Richardson, gone on. We're nobodies. But we have something to say. We have something to say. We have a message, a message about Christ. Now, the rest of this verse shares with us the message of the church. The rest of this verse is the message. Come to Christ, thirsty one. Come to Christ. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness is what we find over in the book of Matthew. Would you turn there with me? Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, and there in verse 6, the Lord Jesus, in this great uh, Sermon on the Mount... And this Sermon on the Mount is a sequoia. <laughs> I just can't get all my arms around it. It's huge. Lord, help me to understand a little bit more of it. But notice here in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now he is sharing with us that there is a whole group of people that doesn't know what it is to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Now, I've never been real hungry. I thought I was a couple of times, but I wasn't. Never been real hungry for food. Never been real thirsty for water. I've, you know, if I hadn't ran out of water, I'd have drank some more right then, but I'm sure glad my son had a whole bunch on him when I found him. <laughs> we were out hunting, and I drank a bunch of his. But he said this, blessed is everyone that hungers and thirsts after righteousness. Now, what does that mean? That means hungering and thirsting after the righteous one, Christ. His righteousness and not ours. It is a God-given gift to do that. It is not normal for people to do that. They don't come along and do that naturally. They just don't wake up some day and says, you know, I really am hungry and thirsty after righteousness. <laughs> it has to be given to us. The woman at the well, she was down there for literal water. She didn't even know that she was thirsty or hungry because she wasn't. God created a craving in her. God Almighty, the Holy Spirit, and the Son of God created a craving in her for righteousness for the Son of God. And it's a miracle of God's grace. And it doesn't come by men. It comes by the Holy Spirit alone. We cannot create that. We can only read about it. We can only declare it. Blessed are those who do hunger and thirst after righteousness. And that's the message of the church. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. It's not a common thing. It's not a natural thing. It's not a human thing. It's divine. A sinner is a very special individual because God has made him thus. We may have sinned, but we're not going to be a sinner until we are made that by God. In John chapter 4, would you turn there with me? John chapter 4 and verse 13, John chapter 4, verse 13, as we think about the message of the church, blessed are those who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. John chapter 4 and verse 13, the scriptures share this, And Jesus answered and said unto her, drinketh, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. You know, he could say that about the water in that well, and he could say that about the water that religion gives, and have equal power. Everyone that drinks this religious water is going to thirst again. It never satisfies, and you can't get enough to satisfy. But he goes on to say, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him. It's not there that we're just going to lap it up. It's I shall give him is spiritual water. I give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman says, I want some of that so I don't have to come down here and be embarrassed every time I come for water because people in town know who I am. <laughs> That's the problem she faced. But he's not talking about that kind of water. He's talking about spiritual water. And he well, we find out He acquainted her with that spiritual water in this passage of Scripture. In chapter 6 and verse 35, we read these words. The message of the church, come to Christ. The message of the church, the gospel, is an invitation. Come to Christ. John chapter 6 and verse 35, it says, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. The thirst is quenched, but it's always full. It's not not quenched and then drained down again. It's always full. We always get our thirst quenched. Always. That's his promise. Now, religion always puts restrictions on people being saved. Hideous restrictions. Unbiblical restrictions. uh, Heretical restrictions. Only those who know grace leaves the restrictions off because we are given the ministry of saying, come. We don't restrict anybody. Religion restricts people. Arminianism restricts people. They say you have to in order to get, that's a restriction. You have to repent and believe, and then God will save you. That's a restriction. Religion always puts the restrictions be baptized, join the church, live a good life, tells the ones to repent, believe. No person here would put a block between one person and Christ. We simply say, as what the Bible says, Come to Christ. The level, the ground is level. The mountains have been made low. The valleys have been filled in. There is nothing whatsoever preventing you from coming to Christ but your own stubbornness and your own depravity. And God will take care of that. Come to Christ. We put no restrictions on anybody coming to Christ. Now we know when they come that God has worked a work of grace. That's the miracle of it. When they come, God has worked a work of grace. When they come, he has made them willing in the day of his power. That's what we read in the Psalms. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. They are made willing. And as we read over here in the book of Revelation, chapter 22 and verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, Come to the Lord, let him that heareth come, come, Lord Jesus and let him that is a thirst come. That's what the church said. You're thirsty, come. We have the water. Here's the water, Christ. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. God's people are the only ones that will not fuss over that. Because they know what it is to be whosoever will. They have to be made willing in the day of his power. We're without help and without hope and without God in this world. And we must be enabled To trust Him. We'll not do it on our own. Now, people say, well, you don't even believe whosoever will. Oh, yes, I do. Absolutely. That's what the Bible says. I believe whosoever will essentially and absolutely. God is the one that makes them willing. God is the one that made me willing. I would not have been willing if He had not changed my heart and given me a new heart so I could be willing. 2 Corinthians. Would you turn there? 2 Corinthians chapter 8. This is a wonderful verse of scripture and it means especially a great deal to me because this is what God did for me to you. That's why I can't leave. (laughs) That's why I don't want to leave. That's why I have no intention of leaving. This is what God did for me, but he did it and that's what he does to people. Second Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, chapter 8, verse 16. 2 Corinthians, chapter 8, verse 16. Scriptures share this. But thanks be to God, which put the earnest care into the heart of Titus. (laughs) What? For you. (laughs) He put the earnest care in the heart of Titus. For those saints. Now that's what he does. That's what he does when he saves us. He puts in our heart something we didn't have naturally. And he put the desire right there. But thanks be to God, which put the earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. For indeed he accepted the exhortation, being made more forward of his own accord, he went unto you. So, God did this for Titus, but He does it for every believer. He puts it in their heart. That's why we have no problem. Whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely. But don't come for baptism. Don't come for the ordinances. Don't come for repentance. Don't come for faith. Those are gifts of God to His people. Don't come for all those restrictions that people put on you. Come to Christ. Whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life. And I like that word that was put in our translation. Freely. There's no restraint. Don't take just a pint. <laughs> no. Lap it up. Drink it in. Absorb it. Swim in him. Drink all you will of him. That's what he tells us. But thanks be to God which put some earnest care into the heart of titus for you now i love that verse scripture when i stumbled across i i had to check the ink (laughs) had to check the ink i just never have stumbled i've read titus several times but i've never it just never jumped out at me but this time as we're going through here about what god does for his people in revelation chapter 22 and verse 17 the spirit and the bride say come lord jesus and those who have heard, come, Lord Jesus. But the church in this age says, come to Christ. No restrictions. Every valley has been exalted. Every hill has been made low. That's what John said his ministry was. And that's what our ministry is. There's nothing between the chiefest of sinners and Christ. There is nothing. There is no hindrance except their own stony heart, and God is faithful to give his people the heart of flesh so they can come and come quickly and drink of the water of life freely. It tells us in the book of Philippians. Would you turn there with me? Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. I believe in whosoever will. You do too. There's no question about it. You can't change the text. Can't change it. It's there. But God has explained explicitly. What we are by nature. And that we would not choose him. And we would not have our will in his will. Until he makes us willing. He puts it in our heart. And as we read here in the book of Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. For it is God underline it take it to the bank it is god which worketh in you i can't emphasize i i'm still understanding that but i can't emphasize it enough it is god which worketh in you to will and to do of his good pleasure That's a good sentence. It's the truth. And that's what God does. If you've ever been willing to do what God wants you to do, it's because he made you willing in the day of his power. It is, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. In Matthew chapter 8... It's a wonderful passage of scripture about the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus. I just want you to look at this. This is the same word uh, that we read over here in Revelation chapter 22. But in Matthew chapter 8, notice the king. Notice the Lord. Notice the master. Notice, as Mary put it, Roboni, which being interpreted as master. That's that's a significant term for the church, master, king. Matthew chapter 8, verse 3. Look at that with me. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. Now that's the Lord's words about healing a man. I will be thou clean. Now, he's the only one that can say that with authority. I will be thou clean. I will be thou saved. I will be thou cleansed. I will have a new heart. That's the thing that we find with regard to the Lord Jesus, to God Almighty throughout the scriptures. I'd like in just a, in the short time we have left, and I won't take all of it, I'd just like to read two or three verses of scripture, oh, forgive me, six, six, <laughs> Six verses found in, one in Genesis chapter 1. Turn over there with me if you would. We've read this before in our studies of of the Psalms. Psalm 19. But I want to read it again. Genesis chapter 1 verse 3. As we think about God, what he does. Whosoever will come and drink of the water of life freely. And the church is foundationed upon this principle when we say it. God said, let there be light, and there was light. That's our foundation. God's eternal, everlasting sovereignty. That's our foundation. We can say with authority, whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely. Because he is the one that said, let there be light. And there was light and there was nothing but light. He is it. All right. Psalm 33. Psalm 33. Turn there with me. Our foundation for us to say, come to Christ. We will qualify that. Don't move a muscle. Don't depend on anything that you're doing. The road is even to Christ. It's flat to Christ. It. There's no humps. You don't have to jump over anything. You don't have to go down into any valley. Just come. Don't depend on your righteousness. Just come. All right, Psalm. Psalm 33. Psalm 33 and verse 9. And he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. Now that's authority, that's our foundation. That gives us every right to say his word. That's why it's important that we don't take away from his word or we don't add to his word because his word says, he spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Mark 4, 39. Mark 4, 39. Would you turn there with me? Mark chapter 4, verse 39, our foundation. How can we say with authority? Revelation chapter 22 and verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come, Lord Jesus. Come, return. He that heareth, come. Church says it. Collectively, church says it. Individual members. And then the church, this is their message, our message. It's an evangelistic message. We don't have to have special evangelistic messages. Every message is evangelistic. That is good news. That's what the word means. It's good news. It's good news for me to hear that there's a God that spoke and it was done. A God that spoke and it halted. A God right here. Notice this. In Mark 4, verse 39, the scripture says, And he arose and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Now that's what he does to us spiritually too. We are in turmoil by nature. Peace be still, and there is a great calm. Mark chapter 5, verse 41. Mark chapter 5, verse 41. He took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, forgive me if I can't pronounce this completely, Talitha kumai, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was the age of 12 years. If you'll read back here, everybody else knew that she was dead. Damsel, arise. What command! not just of the language, but command of everything. And then Mark chapter 7 and verse 34, this is our foundation. This is why we can say what is written over there in the book of Revelation, chapter 22 and verse 17. Mark chapter 7, verse 34, the scripture says, And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said unto him, That is, be opened. (laughs) Boy, wouldn't you? Well, I'm not even going to go there. Say a word like this. It's just in a different language, and we have the interpretation of it. Be opened. Eyes were opened instantaneously. That's what he does when he creates new life in us. He raises us from the dead. He may use any language he wants to, but that's what he's going to do. Let there be light, and there was light, and the light was good. And here we have these verses. And then John, John chapter 5. Would you turn there with me? John chapter 5 and verse 21. John chapter 5 and verse 21. For as the Father raiseth up the dead. Now that's interesting. <laughs> I like that. Man. Anyway, as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth that word quickeneth means to give life to quickeneth whom he will but when he does it it's life it is life it's not a monstrosity it is life breathing life from god almighty when god made the first man it says he made him of the dust of the ground he made a form <coughs> He looked like the man that was going to walk in a few moments, but he had no life in him, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now, that's what we can say. By that power, by the power of God, by the By the life-giving power of God. By the light-giving power of God. Whosoever will. And let him that is a thirst come to Christ. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Now that's one thing about God's work. They're going to come to Christ and drink of Christ freely. They're not going to depend on anything else but Christ. He is their bread and he is their water. They'll not say, well, uh, I I got here on my own power. No, 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 no. When he quickens us, we know we didn't get there on our own power. And we didn't have the good sense to bend over and drink from the life-giving stream. But he gives us that. As he said about Titus, I put it in his heart. I put it in his heart. God put it in his heart. Now, no doubt Titus was a good man before then, but just think of what kind of person he was now for those people. Mm-hmm. These are the people God has given me. So he put it in their heart. So we'll, uh, we'll stop here for tonight, and we just want you to think about those, that verse of Scripture. So powerful. The church has been counseled by the Spirit of God to pray. Come, Lord Jesus. And they do it willingly. And they do it daily. And then he says, by that same power, I counsel you, call to the lost. Call to the lost. Call to those that are thirsty. Call to whosoever will. Come. The ground is flat. There's no hindrance except your own stubbornness and depravity. And God is able to take care of that.